There are some things I have wrestled with and other things have just gripped my spirit. And I believe that by the leading of God's Holy Spirit, I will speak to you things that are prophetic. Prophetic isn't just foretelling. Sometimes it is foretelling. It is bringing the word of the Lord. And I know uh, over the years in ministry, God has often worked on me, with me, and through me to bring the word of the Lord for a specific time and for such a time as this. I am deliberately going to rehearse a couple of things. I'm launching this prophetic word, so stay with me. It is no coincidence, the year before last, the last week of the year, God started us on a series And it was a series called The Highway to Heaven, The Highway to God's Presence, How to Build the Highway of Holiness. The last week of 19, uh, sorry, uh, 2019, God started a series. And we ended the year with Draw Me and I Will Run After You. And that was the first series. As of the 1st of January, we went... uh, uh, we started to talk about a 21, day, uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we called this church into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we don't normally start the new year like that. I know a lot of denominations do. But this year, I felt God say, do it. Call the people to prayer and fasting. And so we launched this year with prayer and fasting, crying out to God And at the same time, the word of the Lord that he had been bringing to us was to run after him, to run after him. No sooner we come to the end of that series than God puts it on my heart to uh, start preaching a series called Rend the Heavens. And uh, if you're with me here this morning... um, The very first verse that God had given us was in Isaiah 64, and in verse 1 it says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. And uh, as you continue to read through those scriptures, you see that honestly the prophet is speaking about God coming down and stirring things up and bringing a revival. We see that When Joel goes to prophesy about the last days or the end of the ages, and the last days is not the last month, the last uh, six months, the last 10 years, the last 20 years, you will see the phrase, the end of the age, or the age has come to fulfillment in the Bible. You'll see that phrase. It's about a dispensation, a period of time, and in the last days before the next age, which is the millennium, Joel prophesied. And leading up to his prophecy about a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Joel says, rend your hearts, not your garments. Repent, but let it come from deep within your heart. And so I preached on five things that leads to the heavens being ripped open and a greater manifestation of God's presence coming down. And I believe, stay with me, I believe you're going to hear some amazing things in just a moment. 
and uh, I'm going to read to you a prophecy uh, that was prophesied in 1986 uh, and is very much what we're seeing happening today. And it's so in line with everything that God has been telling us as a church and preparing us for as a church. And uh, so Joel says, read your hearts. Isaiah cries out, God rend the heavens. God says, rend your hearts and I'll pour out my spirit. And so the first thing of, repent uh, uh, of rending the heavens was Repentance. We find, uh, I preached on repentance for about three weeks and God wouldn't let me get away from preaching on repentance. And then the second thing was hunger. We need to hunger for God and run after him and desire him. And then last week I preached about praise, how praise breaks the prison uh, chains off of us and it opens the prison door. And when the heavens are rent, other people around us, prisoners, who are prisoners because maybe justly they were prisoners. They got set free also because of the atmosphere around the sons of God. Rending the heavens is about changing the atmosphere around us and, and it causing an increase of the presence of God so that people around us will start to see and experience the touch of God purely because of what's on our lives. Well, it's very interesting. I mentioned over the last couple of weeks that repentance isn't a popular thing to preach, and yet God kept me on that one point for three weeks. And then we started to hear around the United States uh, fairly uh, well-known preachers were preaching repentance at the same time. Well, this prophecy came across uh, my phone the other day. Uh, it's a prophecy from David Wilkerson, who is now with the Lord. And in 1986, this is what he prophesied. I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars, the churches, and the government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it's never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles, and repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third awakening that will sweep America and the world. Church, I was never aware of this prophecy. And when God set these things in motion, we had no knowledge or awareness of anything to do with the coronavirus as a pandemic, what it would unfold as. We heard little smidgens of news and information about what was happening way out there in some city called Wuhan in China. But God has been orchestrating events. He's been speaking to the heart of the church. Judgment starts with the house of God. By judgment, that also means accountability, responsibility. The call to action starts with the church. All of those things, God will always start. Whatever he's doing, he'll start it with the church. And before we see mass repentance out there in the world culminating into great revival, there needs to be mass repentance in the church of Jesus Christ. And you know... 
most times when we need to repent, we, we are so far off the mark that we don't even know what we need to repent of. We don't even see that we have drifted from the marker. And uh, I have found that in these last months, I've just been praying, Holy Spirit, make me so much more sensitive to you so that I will see how God sees and feel as God feels. And I've been amazed that, wow, things in my life that were okay a month ago are not okay today. God has prophesied things like we're experiencing right now. And he said the preacher in the pulpit would preach repentance. I know today is Palm Sunday. And uh, I am going to touch a little bit on Palm Sunday and at the same time continue with this series because I believe that God is bringing it all together. In 2 Chronicles, in verse 7, we also read the other week, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And Pastor Tom had pointed out verse 13 that is often overlooked when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain. Australia's experienced unprecedented droughts because of major, uh, sorry, unprecedented forest fires or bushfires because there's been amazing long-standing droughts. When I shut up the heavens, the heavens need to be rent when they're shut up. Isn't it interesting? When I shut up the heavens and there's no rain, or I command the locusts, there are several locust plagues going on right now, and uh, the, the, the nations of the world, there's cries out to the UN and cries out to other nations to help financially because of the impoverishment that is coming to these places in the Middle East, Africa and the Middle East, because of unbelievable large swarms of locusts. When I command locusts to devour the land or send the plague upon my people. That's verse 13. But this is what he goes on to say, if my people, that's you and me, the church, who are called by my name, come on, know who you are. We just sang, I believe I am who he says I am. You are the church. You are the Christians. We carry his name. And God wants accountability to start at his house first. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Praise God. Notice he says, if they humble themselves and pray, the fourth thing that will rend the heavens, the fourth thing that will rend the heavens is prayer and fasting. When we pray and when we fast, and God says if they will humble themselves, when we start to fast, it's a means of humbling ourselves before God and crying out to God, emptying ourselves of everything we need but God. And we humble ourselves and we start to pray. God says, if they seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Listen, if nothing else, America needs a healing right now. It needs a healing in the form 
of uh, dealing with this pandemic and it needs a healing in the form of the division and the controversy that is coming on our nation and it needs a healing in the form of the economic situation. And God says, whatever the matter might be, I will heal my hand. But notice it starts with the church. If the people that are called by my name, will you please stop looking to the government? It amazes me how Christians are full of so many theories and conspiracy theories. Get full of the Word of God and understand how God operates. It's not the left or the right that is our answer. Our answer comes from the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I want so much to talk to you from my heart. And I want you to see and hear and understand this isn't just a sermon. It's not just a series. God has been speaking prophetically. Come on, dads, moms, young people, every one of us, all of us. Now's the time. God has silenced the nation <laughs> during this pandemic. Let's start to look at our hearts and say, God, search me. Even David said, search me and see if there be some wicked way in me. Show me things that I don't see. The things we have to repent of are usually the things we don't see. And if they are things that we can't see, we should have dealt with them already. Let's deal with that and let's ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and show us the things we don't see so that we can repent of them. Can I get an agreement? You guys in agreement? Are you in agreement with me at home? Come on. God is speaking prophetically. This nation needs an answer, and it goes far beyond the left or the right. Believe me. It goes far beyond the White House. Even if they get enough respirators, even if this and that, and even if our nation desperately needs a move of the Holy Ghost, and that needs to start with God's house. If, if uh, judgment starts at the house of God, so will the flow of fresh rivers of revival. Amen. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, God tells this here to Solomon after he dedicated the temple. When all of this happens, if your response is the right response, if you understand my ways. Here's an interesting thing. I find this fascinating. Last week, I preached on praise and how praise will break the heavens. And we talked about Paul and Silas being in jail. Well, in a situation like this, this is a good time to praise. You could say to me, Pastor Rob, that is the dumbest, craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, the things of the Spirit are always the opposite to the things that are natural. And when the enemy's coming in like a flood, start to praise God. Not because of the enemy, but because of God. <laughs> you know, when, where, where sin abounds, grace will abound more. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. Come on, start to praise God. Understand how spiritual things work. If the enemy is, is blustering a, 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 a pandemic towards us, start to praise God because God's got something better. God's got something better. Where sin abounds, grace will abound more. Where the gates of hell start to charge, God will flatten them on their faces. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And so uh, here we see, last week I was preaching about praise and how Paul and Silas changed the atmosphere over them. They could have been complaining about the government. Hear me. Nobody has stopped the church. They cannot shut the church of Jesus Christ down and nor are they trying to. Come on, let's get our hearts right and get our heads right and get full of God. Understand what is happening in this season. This sermon is called The Cost of Missing the Moment. The Cost of Missing the Moment. And you could be rattled by this conspiracy theory and you could be rattled by what the government is telling us to do. Listen, I'm not afraid. It takes just as much faith to believe that we'll have a congregation when this is all over as it takes to believe anything else. And so we're operating in faith. We're not afraid. The early church met from house to house. Stop panicking. Stop worrying. The government doesn't dictate us. There are certain things that are just common sense. There are certain things that are just right. Amen. We're still having church and we're getting more people listening to us on Facebook than ever before. So fear not and faith up. Let the word of the Lord be in your mouth and start speaking positive things. But so last week I spoke on praise and it's interesting because one of the stories in the Bible that's often associated with the power of praise is the story of Jehoshaphat. And uh, Pastor Steve preached a sermon some months back on the platform of praise, and it was a phenomenal sermon. Go through our archive and listen to it. It was a great sermon. I was so proud of him, and all of you responded tremendously. But you know, if we go to that story in Chronicles chapter 20, just before they go out and they start to praise God, Jehoshaphat was the man the leader, the king of success for a reason. He understood the ways of God. And I'm going to prove that to you really quickly. Because just before they go out to praise God, this is what Jehoshaphat does in 2 Chronicles. Here we go. 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20 and starting in verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said, Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not the God of heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God. Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and built in it a sanctuary for your name. Now listen, if you tuned out, now tune in. Listen, they have built in it a sanctuary for your name saying, if calamity comes upon us where the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear us and save us. 
Here's Jehoshaphat. Yeah, praise the Lord. Here's Jehoshaphat. Many years after his great-great-granddaddy, uh, uh, David and Solomon, and he's remembering the ways how God dealt with the nation, the ways of God. Remember the ways of God. And he's remembering that God said to Solomon, when all hell breaks loose, if my church stands and repents and comes before me and cries out and prays, I will hear from heaven and save them. You see, Jehoshaphat's victory was in praise, but his praise came. It was preceded by the fact that he understood the ways of God. This is Palm Sunday, and Easter's just around the corner. And it doesn't matter where or how we celebrate Easter, God is with us. And it doesn't change the fact He is risen, and He is victorious on His worst human day possible, on His worst hair day, His ugliest day. The day that he looked the most beat, single-handedly, the father allowed him to go into the belly of hell and terrorize the whole ways of darkness. And it was in that moment, from the cross to the pit, it was in that moment that he became king of kings and Lord of lords. And it's from that moment and that event, the worst event imaginable to the human mind, but it's from that event that we read in Revelations, he is crowned with many crowns. Every crown is on his head. Why? Because he went through the whole ways of darkness and he went right before Satan's throne and he's stomping on demon after demon and he's taking their crowns and he took the keys of hell and of death. This is the same Jesus. And irrespective of where we celebrate Easter next Sunday, I want to tell you, I celebrate not a day, I celebrate the event. It's not how we celebrate, it's what we celebrate, and we celebrate a risen Savior. And so whether we celebrate like we're doing today, or we get to come back together, that's irrelevant. Don't become someone who majors on minors. Let's major on the major. He is risen. And that's why today there is no fear in our heart. And that's why today we come back with the roar of a lion. If God be for us, who can be against us? This is Palm Sunday. Mark 11. I want to read Mark 11 to you for a moment. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. And if we start in verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone says, why are you doing this? Say the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street. 
Now we're going to skip down to verse 8. So Jesus gets the colt and uh, he, he's riding on this colt. And verse 8, many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Other gospel writers refer to it as palm branches, hence Palm Sunday. And uh, they spread the branches out in front of him. And those who went ahead uh, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Stop. What's in your mouth? You're so concerned about where we're going to celebrate Easter and what our government is doing. Listen, if this is Palm Sunday, then what should be in your mouth is Hosanna. Praise God. Praise God. The King Jesus is still on the throne and he's on his way. Come on now. I hope I'm speaking to your heart today. Let your spirit be challenged, not your flesh. Don't get in the flesh and get all riled up. Stay in the spirit. Look, at, I told you last week, whether it was four in the morning, five, six, I don't know. All I had was the message, the story of Paul in prison. I woke up and in a 60, 90 second period as I'm shuffling to the restroom to do what I had to do and I shuffle back trying not to wake up in a 90-second period, the Holy Spirit downloaded a whole sermon to me, and he gave me and said specifically, tell them to take heed of Romans 8. If you live in the flesh, it'll lead to death. But if you live in the spirit, it'll lead to life. Come on, don't get all caught up about the governments. Uh, is this uh, a hoax? Is this concocted in a laboratory? Listen, you and I may never find out what the truth is, but one truth that can never be denied and one truth that is immutable is the truth that we are the sons of God and Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and he has the last say. However the end will pan out becomes irrelevant to some degree as long as you and I keep our feet on the anchor of God's word and hold on to Jesus and continue to confess that he is our savior, our Lord, our healer, and our deliverer. Can I get an amen? The people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Seven days later, they had him out on the cross. Luke gives us this story. And in Luke chapter uh, 19, uh, chapter 19 and then verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city. Now listen, again, if you tuned out, now's a good time to tune in. Listen, come on, stop. Stop where you are. Listen, this is an important bridging point. I'm going to make a bridge here. And then I'm going to conclude uh, with a couple of verses and the conclusion and the bridge, very important. Listen to me. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Stop. Do we ever think when we read the word of God? This, this whole passage, Jesus riding into Jerusalem, is called the triumphal entry. 
It was triumphal for about 60 minutes. If you read the story surrounding this in all four Gospels, you will see that it becomes very evident. Jesus curses the fig tree because he just had cleansed the temple and the priests got angry with him. And in gospel by gospel, you will see evidences that even though they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, they really had trouble receiving him. In fact, in one gospel, after they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus said, unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, and so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And the Bible says, by this expression, the Son of Man must be lifted up. They understood by what manner of death he would die. And they said, well, hang on a second. When the Messiah comes, isn't he supposed to rule forever? And then it concludes with Jesus being sorrowful because they had no faith and they didn't believe in him. This is called the triumphal entry. But if you read those four gospels and read around this passage, this is when Jesus says, listen, not one stone will be left upon another. The temple will be torn down and this city will be torn down. Jesus was 33 years old when he was crucified. By 70 AD, Israel ceased to exist as a nation and as a people group. And from that time on, the great dysphoria took place and they were scattered around the world and they have been subject to persecution ever since then. But now God has been calling them back just like the prophets in the Old Testament said. If you're not familiar with Old Testament prophecy, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do a series soon. You'll be amazed. We are living in prophetic times, and the things that are happening isn't news. It's prophecy, okay? It's prophecy. But it's important. When they saw that Jesus wasn't going to come and overthrow the government and be the Messiah who was going to now make Israel the world empire, they stopped believing. Isn't it amazing how quickly we take our faith and our religion and we turn it political? Hear me. The cost of missing the moment. Look at this passage. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, listen, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. By 70 AD, Jesus was 33, so only a short few years after, Israel as a nation ceased to exist because they didn't recognize the, the coming of their God, the cost of missing the moment. They wanted to mix their faith in Yahweh with politics. Get out of the flesh. Get back into the spirit. Forget about conspiracy theories. Forget about who's stopping us or are they stopping us from having church. Come on, God's been preparing us for this. Trust 
the fact that prophetically he has been moving through this church and speaking and bringing confirmation around the world. We didn't know this was about to happen, but God said, run after me. God said, fast and pray for 21 days. God said, and is still saying, rend rend the heavens by rending your heart. I believe that prophetically I have been hearing from God and speaking from God. And I might not have as big a microphone as some people out there. It doesn't change the fact that this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. We could get so caught up with the signs of the times and who's doing this and this theory and that theory. Listen, I've been, I, I, I've been saved for over 50 years and I've heard every theory under the sun about the end of the world. What we need to do is keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and keep powering on, soldiering on. Don't let the things of the world sidetrack us. And then before you know it, we're arguing with, a church, with, with each other. And this church is wrong and that church is wrong. And I'm not going to go here anymore. Stop it. Last week he told us that if we think with the mind of the flesh, we, it'll lead us to death. And he told me that in the wee hours of the morning. Gave me a whole sermon. You heard it last week. He said, stay in the spirit. And so I'm calling you to stay in the spirit. These people didn't recognize the moment. And it cost them. Only a few years later, they ceased to exist as a nation. I believe we're in the last days. Yes, I do. Stop, stop pulling out your calendars. I believe we're in the last days. You know what you should do? If we're really heading into the last days, we should be rending our heart. We should be repenting. We should be hungering more for the things of God. We should be praising him that he's still on the throne. And we should be calling ourselves to prayer and to fasting. Because before the enemy has a major blow on the earth, I want to see the wind of the Holy Spirit bring a major blow of revival. Amen. And I honestly believe God's been trying to prepare us as a church and the church of Jesus Christ around the world. I, just very quickly, um, I, I want to show you something that in all four Gospels mention in, in one way or another Jesus going to Gethsemane. And some just mentioned that he went to a garden where he always went to pray, and Judas knew that he would probably be there, and Jesus, uh, Judas brought the temple guards there to arrest Jesus. Amazing, Jesus had a pattern, and his pattern was he had a garden where he'd always go and pray with his disciples. What's your pattern? Do you quickly pull out your calendar and start trying to work out end times things, or do you quickly pull out the word of God and start confessing the word of God to yourself and start praying and fasting. I'm going to show you why this is important and I'm going to show you why this is a prophetic word today, okay? So uh, 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 while all four gospels talk about Gethsemane, all, all, all four gospels also talk about the fact how Peter responded. You see, Jesus His words have become famous. Could you not tarry one hour? I'm talking about prayer and fasting. And here Jesus is, 
He just had a triumphal entry. I don't know why they call it triumphal, because Israel lost the whole plot. They did not recognize the coming of their God. And, and, and can I tell you something? The Bible tells us that these things are written for our benefit so that we learn from their mistakes. And don't think that we're smarter than the people in the Old Testament. And don't think we're smarter than the people of Israel. Human nature is human nature. We'll only be smarter if we live in the spirit and don't get in the flesh. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. These things are set for our example. And so uh, <clears throat> what we see is Jesus is telling them, couldn't you tarry? Here, here's his 11 disciples. And they couldn't pray for one hour. They're exhausted. They're tired. He just came from the triumphal entry. It's only a matter of days later. He's about to be crucified. He's been telling them they don't get it. They don't see it. They can't see the forest for the trees. And sometimes the church is the same way. We can't see the forest for the trees. Right now, what we need to do is put on our praise and be praying fasting, believing God, repenting where we need to repent, because I believe that if the enemy's stirring things up, all I need to do is pray, and my God will stir up something even bigger and even better. Come on now. You want to talk about faith? Come on, let's talk about faith. Let's talk about faith, because having church like this doesn't challenge me. Oh, I miss not having you here. I love having you here, but this is just a blip, okay? And even if the great persecution were to start, we're victorious. The church of Jesus Christ doesn't stop. We are overcomers. I don't need to fight governments. I'm fighting the powers of darkness, and they're already defeated, and they're already under our feet, and we have the victory in Jesus' name. But I want you to notice something here, that um, after Jesus wept over uh, Jerusalem, here he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and in Matthew uh, chapter 26, verse 40, he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In Luke chapter 22, verse 40, the Luke says of this situation, on reaching that place, he said to them, pray and you won't fall into temptation. So watch what happens. They miss the moment. Israel missed the moment. The disciples missed the moment. Watch. Jesus said, pray so that you don't get into the flesh. Watch what happens. They didn't pray. They fell asleep. They let the circumstances and the heaviness of the hour weigh them down. And they didn't pray. Only a few verses later, Judas comes with the temple guards. And uh, when Judas comes with the temple guards, in verse 50, look at this here, because this sums it all up. Jesus says to them, verse 50, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward and seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. By the way, if you read the other gospel accounts, because all four of them talk about this, 
It was Peter. It was Peter who stood by Jesus' side. But can I tell you something? He was asleep in the moment. He was asleep in the garden. He was not in the spirit praying and getting before God. And when the enemy's ugly hand came, when his ugly face showed up, Peter got into the flesh and he pulled out his sword and he wanted this to be about flesh and blood and governments. Listen to me. God had a plan. Whatever the government was going to do, God was going to take what was meant for evil and turn it for good. Don't you have faith? You want to talk about faith? Don't you have faith that irrespective of how we're having church, we're going to have the victory and we've got the victory. And we're going to be better off for it. Anything the devil can do, my dad can do better. Hallelujah. I'm excited because I can clearly see, and I hope you can, how God has been speaking to us prophetically. I'm going to give you my phone, Pastor Stephen, because somebody's wanting to text me, and right now I'm on a mission. (laughs) And so Jesus says, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I can't call on my father and at once he'll put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Listen to me, church. Please don't get caught up in theories and conspiracies. Get caught up in what God has been saying in this house. You hear me? The victory is ours. I don't care what a church service looks like at the moment. The church of Jesus Christ hasn't changed And we're still here, and we're still meeting, and we're still powering on. And if anything, it's going to work out for our advantage, and we'll be bigger and better for it. Can I get an agreement? Amen. So the title of this message is The Cost of Missing the Moment. Peter missed the moment. He got into the flesh. The fourth way that we rend the heavens is to pray and to fast. And so I encourage you, church, be of good faith and courage. God is with us. And let's continue to do what God has been telling us from the beginning of the year. Let's start running after him. You have more time on your hands? Pray. Fast. Decide you're going to fast Monday or whenever. But start to fast. Start to pray. Let's cry out to God. Let's do what Jehoshaphat did. Yeah, he put on his praise, but before he put on his praise, he realized God's word is true. And God, I'm reminding you, you said that if we humble ourselves and pray, you will heal us and uh, you will hear us and then you'll heal us and you'll deliver us. There were several nations coming against Jehoshaphat all at once. That's how the enemy works. But you know, the enemy always likes to have the advantage in the numbers. But the more he has and the less we have, the greater the testimony and the victory. Gideon had gotten quite a sizable army behind him, and God said, now you got too many. Let's break it down to 300. Listen, 
I encourage you, we're on track. We're hearing from the Holy Spirit. This is Palm Sunday. Let's not be like the house of Israel and say, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then seven days later we're gone. Let's not be like the disciples, you know, who uh, they're asked to pray. God's been asking us to repent, to pray, to praise, to, to stand. Uh, and uh, let's not be like them because we'll get into the flesh. Let's stay in the spirit. Let's stay united. Don't you understand? The enemy will throw out an attack that brings distraction. And then before you know it, he's got the church fighting the church. Come on. I'm not going to raise my sword against my brother. I'm going to raise my sword against the enemy. Come on. Let's raise our sword against the enemy. And the enemy is not the government. The enemy is the powers of darkness. Don't let the enemy confuse you in the middle of the battle so that you're fighting the wrong fight. Let's stay on mark and fight the fight of faith. The enemy is defeated. And it doesn't matter what church looks like. You are the church. We are the church. And Jesus Christ is still the head of the church. And whatever they tell us we have to do, and for good reason or bad reason, except for when they tell us to stop loving God and serving God. This is not a governmental issue or a constitutional issue. This is a common sense issue. And we're going to pray this thing out of existence in Jesus' name. Come on, get in agreement and let's pray. If you live by the sword, you'll die by it. If you live in the flesh, it'll lead to death. Let's stay in the spirit. I want to encourage you today, fear not. And faith up. Fear not and faith up. Let the faith you have in the word of God come out of your mouth and tell that devil to go back to hell. Right now, if you are watching and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, this is the reason for our confidence. This is the reason that we can stand here and praise and smile and be joyful and not get caught up in all of these auxiliary things. We know who our hope is, and it's Jesus Christ. And if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, and you're ready to do that right now, right where you are, repeat this prayer after me. It's a prayer that acknowledges that we've sinned, and that Jesus Christ is God, and he died for us, and that we need him to live in us and take control. So if that's you right now, and you pray this prayer. Pray it after me. Repeat after me. Dear God, I believe you love me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. Therefore, Jesus, I admit I've sinned. I've made mistakes. And I am so sorry for the wrong things I've done. But Jesus... Because you are God, and because you love me, I invite you to live in my life. Take over my life. Forgive me and change me. And Father God, I know that as I've prayed, you've heard me. And so I thank you right now for letting Jesus Christ come into my heart. Amen. 
If you just prayed that prayer, I want to tell you, in Jesus' name, your sins are forgiven. But better than that, the King of kings, the Son of God, has come to live inside your heart. I rebuke every foul devil. I break the powers of darkness off of every person who's just prayed this prayer. Now, Holy Spirit, just fill them with the love and the light of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've asked Jesus in your heart, I'd love for you to just uh, let us know on Facebook. Uh, you could privately inbox the church and say, hey, I asked Jesus in my heart. And if you're happy to share your address with us, we've got a New Testament printed up that has Bible studies for people that are just beginning on their walk with Christ. We would love to send it to you. It's free. Postage is free. Uh, we just want to bless you. I congratulate you for the best decision ever. It's the one decision that'll start bringing order and peace into your life. Church, thank you so much for being with us. We love you. Boy, do we miss you. I miss having you here. Uh, but that will happen very, very soon. So don't be worried. Don't be heavy-hearted. Uh, you know, we are victorious, and we're going to come out bigger and better. God love you. God bless you. God be with you from all of us here to all of you there. In Christ, we are overcomers. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen.